You're listening to The Mom Inspired Show, episode 100 with Rachel Cruz. Welcome to The Mom Inspired Show. I'm your host, Amber Sandberg, and this show is created to inspire, encourage, and add a little extra fun to your day. Hey, you guys, I am so excited that you are here today for the 100th episode of Mom Inspired Show. So I thought it'd be really fun to have Rachel Cruz come on the show today. And we are talking about her book, Love Your Life, Not Theirs. So you guys probably realize with social media, it is so easy to compare your life to others. But the reality is that you are just seeing glimpses of what their life is like. You don't see what's behind the curtain, or if you turn the camera angle, you see them mess over to the right side. You don't see any of that. You see all the amazing things. So you may be finding yourself feeling a little bit envious or jealous that they're traveling the world, or they just remodeled their kitchen, or they seem like they have so many friends and they're always getting together or going on girls trips. We just talked today about all of that and how you can combat feeling that jealousy or that comparison trap and just be intentional with your life and figuring out what you value so that you can be grateful for what you have. So I hope you guys really enjoy this episode. Again, I am so excited to share this 100th episode with you. Let's go to the show. Rachel, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Absolutely, Amber. Thanks for having me. So here's a fun fact. When this show airs, it will be my 100th episode. Oh, seriously? Well, thank you for having me on for such a milestone. That's fun. Yeah, yeah. I I, I can't believe I've made it this far. So yeah, congratulations. Uh, thank you. That is so great. Yeah, so great. it's crazy. I remember my friend when I first started, she said, wow, so if you do one every week, in a year, you'll have 52 episodes. And I'm thinking, I cannot think about 52 episodes. Like I have to just think about the week ahead of me. So here right, to be right, 100, it's amazing. Totally, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and another fun story. I um, So I, I had Christy right on um, in May, and I told her that I used Business Boutique in 2016 as my, like, I need to get the podcast aired by November 1, so that when I went, I could say I actually started the podcast and I wasn't just like, well, I'm just thinking about it. So the business boutique, and that's when I really first learned more about you and heard you speak. So it's kind of fun to just see how it just full circle right now. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Christy's content is like, it's amazing. And I just love how it gives such tactical information for women Yeah, uh, because there are so many moms out there that are like, I want to do something from home. How do I even start? How do I know my passion? What am I doing? And yeah, she's been like the brilliant guide through all of that for so many women. So I love that you were able to use it. That's great. Yeah. So I like to start off every show with an icebreaker about travel. So I like asking my guests, What has been their favorite vacation spot and why? And it can be with or without kids. Okay. Um, I'll probably have a different answer for you in one month because we're going to Disney World with our three-year-old for a few days. Got it. And I am beyond, beyond excited. So I would, that, that might be my answer, but I would, my real answer now (laughs) I would say is, gosh, I've, I've really been fortunate. My parents were big travelers. Like they, that's one place that they always kind of committed um, with us kids. So Mm -hmm. we've, I've been a lot of places and um, I'm really grateful for that. But I would say beyond even like Europe and Ireland and all the things, one spot my husband and I went, we went for our five-year wedding anniversary and I was pregnant with our first um, baby, Amelia, who's now three. And we um, went to this place called Little Palm Island. Have you oh, heard of this? No. Okay, where is so it's it? Off, so it's off the Keys and okay. it's this tiny little island and it only holds like 
I think you, I think there's up to 40 guests or something like it's a really small resort and it takes up the whole Island. Like if you walk the Island four times, you've walked a mile. Like it's wow. like, it's tiny, yes. but it has these little like hut room kind of things, yeah. but it's like you walk in and it's like this five star hotel room and your own oh, little like bungalow. Kind nice. of, it, it is, it was the most amazing experience because you're kind of, you're very much isolated. They don't allow cell phones like out in the premise. So no one's on their phone. They have a great spa. They have this restaurant. And then the best thing about it is they have what what are called key deer. Okay. So it's these baby deers, like they're little deer and they swim from key to key and they're like dogs. I mean, they, they, and they just come up to you. Like you literally feel like you're Snow White or something crazy. Like you'll be sitting at dinner and there's like these like little deer walking around. So like it was one of the most magical places, but I'll say it's, it's pricey. So we only went for, I think three or four nights. We couldn't say it sounds amazing, but (laughs) it was, it was one of the best trips we've ever taken. And so, yeah, we always talk about that vacation. That was, um, it was amazing. So that and then I love traveling, so I, I don't I won't get off on it. And then we went to Israel <laughs> two years ago, and on the other side of the spectrum of just like knowledge, 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 you learn so much about scripture. Wow! And you're in the places like where these Bible stories that you've read about since you're a kid what were happening. I mean, you see like the Mount of Beatitudes, and you're on it, and all of that. So that's probably that is way up there as well um, of one of the beyond the best experiences yeah. ever. Yeah, no, that is amazing. And, and and I'm glad that you're talking about that because as we go into the show more, we're going to talk about how, uh, you know, listening to other people's vacations and how do they do it. And then it feels like, yo, I got to keep up and I want to go on vacation. So I'm glad that you're actually talking about this because we'll, we're going to work that all in there because I think vacation and traveling is one of those things that are at the top that I uh, really causes people to have envy and jealousy, um, yes, yep. you know, and I love travel and that's where a lot of our discretionary income goes to and stuff like that. And so sometimes I always have to explain to people like, you don't understand, like we, we don't spend money maybe over here as much because we're, you know, siphoning all the money, you know, over to the vacation. And so, oh, absolutely. Yeah. But like, well, that's the great yeah. thing about being so intentional with your money is you get yes. to decide your value system. And it's like, as yes. a family, what are things that we value? We may not value cable and going out to eat or whatever it is, but we value where that money would have been spent there over to vacations and we value trips with our family. Yeah. Oh, I think that that's great. And and it's so true. And every family gets to kind of choose their path in that sense. Well, yeah. You know, before, and then we'll jump into introducing you and all that stuff. It's, you know, we're like, I, you can clearly see that we love travel. Um, with, <laughs> with me being a travel agent, I, my husband and I created um, a vacation planning tool. And so really what it is, is I, I don't like to say spreadsheet too often because it does scare some people like mm-hmm. oh, spreadsheet. Um, but what it does is, uh, and because I'm a travel agent, I can figure out the cost of trips because I do know that sometimes people really don't have an idea. Um, it's been interesting to, and eye-opening to see like what people think things cost. And they're very, they're underestimating by a lot, like how yes. much. And so that's where I come in. But what what's great is I have the tool that we created that um, it allows you, once you figure out the cost, you put it into where you, where you want to go. So say you want to go on a safari and you want to go in five years, it will calculate from, so you put it in that time that you want to go and we'll give you the monthly costs that you need to pay every month so that by the time you go, you go debt-free. And, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you have to be very intentional and we're going to talk about that later because I know you're all about being intentional. And I, and that's where I think people kind of lack that they're not being intentional and they're not thinking about their values and what they really want. And then when it comes time, they just wish they had the money 
to do it, which we all know that's not really how it works for most people. Like they that's really right. have exactly. to name their dollars. So, okay. So if people haven't figured out who you are yet by the time, you know, after all this discussion, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have you introduce yourself. So share your name, where you're from, how many kids you have, and we'll just jump into um, how you got to where you are today. And, and that can bring us to um, talking about your book. Perfect. Yes. So my name is Rachel Cruz. I am from Nashville and living in Nashville. So I'm a rare one these days. I feel like everyone I meet in Nashville now is yeah from all over the place. But yeah, grew up here and I have two daughters. I have Amelia, who is three years old, and Caroline, who's one. And I am an author and speaker and uh, do everything around personal finance. And um, yeah, I kind of started off this journey I guess kind of way back when my dad is Dave Ramsey. And so growing up in the household with him, (laughs) uh, we talked not, not a weird amount about money, but enough that I gained a lot of knowledge. I learned a lot, handled money from a very young age on my own learning mistakes and all of that. So I really kind of grew up in this financial bubble in a sense. And because of that, I, I think I, um, was really given this foundation of knowledge and practice in this area of life that not a lot of people have. And I started traveling and speaking with him when I was 15. And I learned that I love to speak, public speak, which is rare as well. I think a lot of people, yeah. like that's like their They're number scared. one fear. Oh, yeah. And I loved it early on. And then when I went to college is when that little financial bubble I grew up in, it popped. And I was watching my own friends and even peers I was meeting you know, making these devastating mistakes Mm. with their money. They were going deep into student loan debt and signing up for credit cards and all this stuff. And I remember thinking at 18, 19 years old, you know, I don't know a lot, but I Mm. do know like what to avoid, what to stay away from, little things to do to really set you up to win. And that was kind of my light bulb moment where I feel like God kind of intersected these paths of what I love to do of speaking and then this passion to really help the next generation when it comes to money. And so when I graduated from college, I started traveling and speaking and writing all towards high school students and college students because I kind of looked at my dad as the emergency surgeon mm-hmm. and I was the preventative medicine. Oh, I love so it. Yes. I was like, if you could get it early, you'll be yeah. so much better off. And so that was, gosh, almost nine years ago. And so my message definitely has shifted with me now that I'm married and have kids. I'm a mom and working. Um, so now my, it's less now me speaking to high school and college students and more to, you know, twenties, thirties, forties, fifties. And a lot of women is what ends up being a lot of my audience just Mm -hmm. because I'm a woman and they gravitate towards women, which I appreciate. Um, so yeah, it's really been a really exciting, exciting ride. And it's something that I absolutely love to do. And I love, love to help people understand their money, not be stressed by it, not be, you know, this, this are usually a great fear when it comes to money, especially if it's out of control and you're deep in debt, there's just a lot of stress and anxiety. And so to really help remove the emotion, give you a path and give you a plan to win with money. Because ultimately if this part of your life doesn't have to take over so many sleepless nights and take over your mindset, which it does for a lot of people, Um, because they're living paycheck to paycheck. It really empowers you, I think, 
um, to be able to live a great life and live the life that you want versus what other people are dictating to you because of debt. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I didn't realize that you started speaking um, at age 15 with your dad. I mean, that is so early. And it leads me into my question, uh, my first question. So did you always know that you were going to come back and work with your dad after college? Or were you just kind of like, yeah, you know, I'll do this as a teenager and then do my own thing after I'm done with school? Yeah, I really kind of thought um, it ended up being a great part-time job in high school because what I would do at these events is I'd get up during the um, one of the breaks because there'd be these all-day Saturday events all over um, the country and they were like mm-hmm. in arenas, you know, six to 12,000 people, depending on the event, I mean, these massive events. And we'd have probably four or five breaks during the whole Saturday. And so before the second break, I would always get up and I had this 10 minute little sales pitch. And what I would do is <laughs> pitch our kids products and talk about, you know, if you teach your kids how to handle money, well, you know, they don't have to make the mistakes you made and here are our tools. And I kind of like showed them what we had kid product wise. And then I would run off stage and go to the back book tables and I would sell Aww. that stuff. <laughs> and so it. the deal dad cut with me was, that I get a percentage of whatever sold. Okay. And, um, yeah, so that was a, not a bad part-time gig in that sense. So I loved that. I mean, I loved being at the events. I love speaking, but I I had this dream of living in New York and being a businesswoman in New York. I mean, I I thought I would do that in high school. I thought I'd always graduate college and move to New York. Uh, but yeah, I think God really intersected my heart in college with this message. I was like, Oh wow. I really, finds that, um, I cared a lot about mm-hmm. it and I cared a lot with my friends, people I was talking to for them to get this. So I, I kind of felt that tug. And so it was just a very natural fit, um, after college, but it was funny. Cause when I sat down and actually talked to mom and dad about it, I was like, I think this is really what I want to do. It was not this like, Oh yay. She's joining the family. Oh, it was everything we wanted. It was like, do you understand if you come on board, you're going to have to work twice as hard as everyone else. Like you're going to have to prove yourself. It's going to be hard, Rachel. And not everyone's going to hire this 20, 21 year old speaker to come and do these. Like you were speaking at these amazing events because my dad was saying this, like, cause I worked my butt off for 20 years and that's what you're going to be in bad, you know, cafeterias in somewhere in (laughs) Kentucky speaking for free. Like this is going to be your life. And I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. It's great. And so, yeah, it was, um, it was a, adjustment in that sense, but it was very much a, this has to be your calling. You have to feel the weight and responsibility of stepping into this role. This is not a flippant thing. Yeah. So there was, a, there was a lot of serious conversation around it. It wasn't just like, yeah, come on board and join. I mean, obviously he loves sure. what I'm doing and, and that I'm a part of it, but it was not assumed by any means. I can say that. Yeah, no, I, you know, when we had Christy Wright on the show back in May, she was just talking about like when you came on and then they had you, had you booked for so many shows and that's how she ended up kind of, you know, jumping on board because yes, they're like, this is too yeah. crazy for Rachel. And, and then her career kind of took off. So it was interesting to hear how that all started um, with both of you, actually, just to kind of hear that background story. But um, I wanted to ask you, what would you say was the hardest thing about growing up as a Ramsey that people may not realize? Um, I don't know, because a lot of people assume like the hard part would be like, oh, you know, you must have just talked about money all the time and had mutual fund parties, and like budget camps, like everyone you know, thinks <laughs> we lived it. in this world like that, which was not the case. I'm so, so thankful for that. Um, you know, I, I would say as growing up, the hardest thing probably is the work that they expected us to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were never just given money. Uh, we were on commission 
not allowance. So yeah, I love you work, it. you get paid. You don't work, you don't get paid. And when we got to be teenagers, they gave us a little bit each month that they would normally spend on us, but they gave it to us and we had to put it in our checking account and we had to budget it and keep up with it. And it was not a generous amount, I can tell you, because I still had to babysit on the weekends and earn money mm-hmm. if I wanted to do things with yeah. friends. And I had a lot of friends, you know, that were just given money. I mean, they were given a car at 16 and all the above. And I had to save up and pay for half my car. I had to have a job and all of that. So that was probably at the time the hardest. Yeah. Um, But looking back, I'm like, I wouldn't change that for anything. Like, you know, I'm like, thank you. Because I meet 50 year olds who don't know how to work. Right. I mean, like people that are not embedded with this and the earlier kids can learn the cause and effect of money and where it comes from, that it doesn't mm-hmm. just come from your back pocket. It comes from work. Yeah. And, and I'm not talking about making your four-year-old go mow the lawn. Right. Like we're not going to like create right. some like to be realistic. Yeah. Yeah. But very age appropriately, but they really pressed into that. And, and I'm so thankful. I really am. I'm thankful for that. Yeah. Well, and as you know, we live outside of Nashville, both you and I, and there is a big um, bubble, I feel like in, in Williamson County. And you know, it's, it's hard to get into the mindset of, okay, so what is actually realistic to be doing for your kids and what is too much? And um, and I realize not everybody listening to that is in a bubble, but if you are, I kind of wanted you to walk through like, what what do you, what is the best advice that you can give to the moms, especially with young kids, that you want to start them off right? even if they don't live in like, you know, a bubble of like, everybody gets everything. But especially for those people, though, that it's easy to be able to give them those resources, and it doesn't really affect their bottom line too bad. But you still want to teach those kids skills so that they don't just go off into college and then realize, wow, like, this is not easy. So so what what would you say, especially having little kids, right? So a lot of a lot of moms that listen have like babies and toddlers and preschoolers and young elementary school age kids. So what is something that stands out to you that like, this is something I would really highly recommend you start doing now? Yeah, there's a couple of things um, that are simple. I mean, obviously it takes some intentionality, uh, which I feel like we have like no bandwidth as moms. So I understand I'm like putting more on your plate, but it's just <laughs> little things you can do. So, um, I mean, if you have, I'd say as young as three, four, five years old, just start the conversation of like, hey, let's pick up your room. And if you help pick up the room, which if they're four, that means mm-hmm. mom's picking up you know, 80% of the room, they're picking up 20%, but they're still doing something. And at that age, when it comes to money, I like to pay them instantly and show them, okay, we did this. So here's your reward because this whole delayed gratification for a three, four, five year old Mm, is not much. So do that and then get just a clear plastic jar on top of their dresser and just put some money in. And it doesn't have to be a ton and it doesn't have to be all the time, just over, you know, a week or two and then let it build up to four or $5, whatever, and go to Target and buy a little something, you know, something cheap in the toy. So they kind of just get this experience of, okay, money comes from work and I get money and I can go. And at that age, they can just spend it. Don't worry about anything else. They can just learn, okay, you buy things with money and you just kind of start that. But when they get to be six, seven, eight, nine years old, I would make it a little bit more formal. So I would like to have some kind of chore chart or something that they do have responsibilities around the house, different things. And that can be as many as you want, uh, you know, depending on your household. Um, and then have dollar amounts and say, okay, if you do this chore, you know, maybe it's four times a week or seven days a week or one day a week, whatever it is, this is what we're going to pay you. And to have them be responsible for that and kind of keep up with that. And then once a week have payday and you sit down with the chart and say, okay, did you do this chore? Did you do that chore? And you pay them on what they did. If they didn't do the work, they don't get paid. But if they did the work, they get paid. And then have three envelopes and label them give, save, Mm -hmm. and spend. 
Because at that age, you can start really talking about you give first, always teaching that. Because whether you're a Christian or not, learning to be selfless in our world today is such a gift. It's such a gift when you see others before yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're teaching them financially is, okay, we're going to give something first, save something. So let them have a little goal, whether it's a $20 Barbie or it's a video game, whatever it is. We're going to save towards something and then you can put some and spend and you can have fun. And if we're at the grocery store and you want candy or whatever it is, like you get to spend some of this money. But what you're doing on a really basic level, you're kind of building these three money muscles. Because if you think about it as adults, that's what we do with money. That's all you can do. You can give it and you can save it and save. Obviously, you can invest it and do more complicated things or you get to spend it. And so that's it. And so you're teaching them that. And what you're teaching also is just that money is finite and so there's boundaries and there's limits. So there's no going into debts. If we want something, yeah, we all borrow right. that from you. You're, that is not in the language. It is here and this is what we have. And I also tell parents too that there may be chores they do around the house because they're part of the family. So yes. they don't have to get paid on every little thing. It's not like a little union system right. where they're like, yeah. <laughs> I picked up my stock. I need a quarter, right? Yeah. So yeah. yeah. You can, there's definitely things they do because they're part of the family, but you miss so many teachable moments because I meet some parents like, I refuse to pay my kids on any chores. They should just be expected to. They're right, not going to yep. get that. I get it. Mm-hmm. But you miss so many teachable moments because when they earn their money, they give it differently. They save it differently. They mm-hmm. spend it differently. I mean, everything yep. is different when they've earned it and they have skin in the game. And so you do that at a very, very low level when you have young kids like that. And so just that. And you're not going to be perfect out there, moms. Don't worry. Like even as Ramses, I think we skipped like five weeks at a time sometimes. And <laughs> I love it. Like, I'm I glad that so you much say that. You guys because <laughs> you've not done payday in forever. So <laughs> life is going to happen. But the more intentional, the more you know, consistent you can be, yeah. you get it. Because again, you're giving them, I think, such a gift because again, I meet 20, 30 year olds who their parents still don't talk to them about money and you can show them that it's it's in a healthy way. They can learn to handle it even at a young age. Yeah, no, I love that. And before we jump to your book, so any thoughts on how much to give or arrange? Because I think that's another issue. People are like, ah, I don't know. It kind of falls into the whole tooth fairy. Like people range, it's like <laughs> yes. bonkers. It's like, oh, I mean, I give how much do I give Ashley now? Now, now I've lost track. Um, Oh, I think I got like a dollar and I actually saw this on the news yesterday. They said the average tooth fairy now pays out $2 and 50 cents. I was like, man, she's gone. She's gone up. I I, I got a dollar. Yeah. And I, and see, look at, see, so you're getting a dollar and you're, you know, and, and when, when did you lose your teeth? I mean, so it's like over 20 years ago. Right. So it's like, oh my gosh. So I'm inflation. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, oh, I should be at $2. (laughs) Here's 20 bucks. I mean, I'm just like, oh my gosh. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. Yeah, I I don't really give recommended percentages or or dollar amounts. It's really going to be different per family, honestly, and and on your kids' ages and all of that. So I always kind of leave it in the boat for the mom and the dad to decide, okay, this is kind of what's best for our family. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And and again, it's really not the dollar amount that matters. Sure. It's the principles they're learning. So even if they're learning it with two quarters versus two dollars, they're still getting this principle of giving and saving and spending. Yeah. Well, and you have to really think about your budget, right? Like, you're, you, like, what's your discretion, discretionary, um, 
income or yeah. whatever, you know, because um, I'm just fumbling over my words because you have to think ahead, right? Because if you are paying them, you have to think about like, do you actually have that money at the end of the month? So that's where you have to kind of be intentional and, and think, can we sustain this, you know, going long-term? Because I think it's easy to be like, oh, we'll give them a dollar here and a dollar there, but then how many kids do you have? And then I mean, you could be paying out $50 at the end of the month and you may not have that to give them. So that that's, uh, I like, I like that you're saying, just kind of think about, you know, for your own family. Yep. Your own situation for right. sure. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So let's move into your book. Let's talk about what is the name of your book and what made you write it? Yes. So my book is called Love Your Life, Not Theirs. And it was the second book that I wrote in regards to money. Um, yeah, it, it talks about, it goes through seven money habits for living the life you want. And as I've been traveling the country and talking to people and book signing lines and at events, I kept kind of feeling this undercurrent that more than ever in our world today, that we are comparing our lives to everyone else. And because of that, it's kind of laid this standard of living for us that we all expect to live this certain way because it seems like everyone else is. Everyone else is driving great cars and they're living in nice houses and they're going on vacation twice a year and they're, you know, their kids are at great schools. They're doing, I mean, it's just like everything Mm -hmm. is perfect. And social media is just that you know, the flame, I guess you could say that kind of starts this for a lot of us because it's true. And it's true for so many people that your Instagram life is going to look great and it's going to look perfect and everything's going to look put together. And it's hard because that's just not reality. And what ends up happening is we spend money to keep up this lifestyle that we think everyone else is living and we're missing out on. And so really combating this comparison battle that so many of us are living in today. And it causes a lot of people to go into debt because people will spend money they don't have to mm, keep up that mm-hmm. lifestyle. And so it's really to, to break free and to set good habits in your life, to quit the comparisons, and then to really uh, get your money in order so that you can create a life that you love. Kind of like we were talking about earlier. It's just like, what's yeah. your value system? As a family, what are things that you guys want to do? And don't worry about everyone else. You have to put the blinders on and say, this is our life. This is mm-hmm. our money what are we going to choose to do? And maybe it's a season of sacrifice and you're getting out of debt and your lifestyle is going to go down to basically nothing while you're paying off debt. Or maybe you're in a season of abundance and maybe you you have debt paid off and you guys are able to invest some money and you're able to save up for vacations and you're able to do these things. But no matter where you are, focusing on your life and your money, not what everyone else is doing. Yeah, I agree. And you know, going back to social media, you think about it back in the day, you could only compare really to the friends that you were close to to know if they were going somewhere where now you see all these people, people you don't even know, right? Oh, and right. Then, oh yeah. Yeah. And your brain, can't, I feel like it can't decipher between like, you don't really know these people to, to they're your friends. I feel like it still all feels the same. Like everybody's going on vacation, even though you don't <laughs> even know who those people are. <laughs> it is. Oh, it is. And that's yeah. one of the, that was one of the moments when I was writing the book uh, or I was about to start writing it uh, because I had this moment in my own life. Like Winston and I, we had just gotten back from vacation. Like we hadn't even unpacked our suitcases. Like it was terrible, Amber. I hadn't even unpacked pack my suitcase from a vacation and I was on Instagram <laughs> on my couch scrolling oh, yeah. and I was like mm-hmm. comparing to some blogger that I haven't even met to right, your point. That's what and I'm I mean. like yeah my gosh like what am I doing and I thought <laughs> if I'm doing this and feeling discontent yes. and already kind of like oh and that kind of like funk 
like other people have to be feeling this. And so we just have to go at it together. So I was like, I've got to write a book about this because it's, it's killing me. And so, yeah, I, I totally felt that in my life and it comes up still. I mean, uh, things will bubble up at times and I'm like, Rachel, I'm like, go back and read this book. Love your life, not theirs. There's some great principles in that, Rachel. Go back and read (laughs) read your your own words. (laughs) It's like reading your own journal to yourself. It is, right? It really is. Yeah. And I do feel like, I mean, you talk about how comparison can truly, you know, steal joy. And I feel like it, it can, I mean, I just, I feel like you have to really protect yourself against that. And I mean, if that means like being on less social media or not following certain people that tend to trigger you or, but you know, it's hard because if people are in debt or not in debt, it's still feel like you don't know that they're in debt, right? So like in your brain, you're kind of like, well, they may just have a lot of money. And so they're just living the life, right? And so, and then you're like, why am I not making more money? Or why can't I get that? And, and I I feel like it's really hard to stop your brain from thinking that. And so I don't know, like, like, what are your thoughts, right? To shifting, like, people's mindsets so that they're not just constantly feeling like, and I can't do this and I don't have this furniture and I yep. have this old blah, blah, blah. Um, I mean, so I know you love, to, uh, you know, talking about being intentional. So is, is there something with being intentional that can kind of help people be able to get more of the life that they want that may look similar slightly to the other people, but also fall in line with what they value? Yes. Yeah. I would say when it comes to, to all of you know those emotions is that it is the emotional part of money. And so to recognize that, that yes, we can talk about budgeting and getting out of debt, the tactical side of it. But I will say it's very hard to win with money when you're discontent because the finish line keeps moving mm, yes. and it's like, okay, if I could just go on that vacation, that's going to make everything better. You get on that vacation. Okay. Well, maybe I just have these pair of shoes. If I could just have these shoes, right. And you become a rat in a wheel for your whole life. And so what you have to combat is the heart issue. And that is this idea of discontentment. And so for me, gratitude is everything being grateful Mm. because in a heart that is full with gratitude, there is no room for discontentment and comparisons. And so what it does is it totally realigns when you're able to say, okay, what do I have in my life? And it sounds kind of cheesy, but it's true. Mm -hmm. If you just think like, God, I'm going to just say out loud things in my life that I have that I'm so grateful for. And after that exercise versus looking at everyone else's life on Instagram, it changes you. And I even started this habit of getting up in the mornings and writing down two things that I was grateful for mm, that morning. Yes, I love and, it. And I can go back to that list. And so when I have those moments, I go back and I'm like, okay, I have like hundreds of things now of all these things that I have in my life. And I'm like, I have a great yeah. life. And, and that's the thing is you have to learn that contentment which comes from gratitude because everything else is always going to seem bigger and better. And, you know, there was a study done even with incomes and there was a researcher that went and talked to people that made $200,000 a year. And they were like, do you feel rich? And they're like, no, I don't feel rich. Yeah. $200,000 a year. Yeah. Like, no, I don't. Yeah. And they're like, okay, well, well, what income would be like, oh yeah, I'm rich. Like, oh, half a million dollars for sure. If I can make half a million dollars, everything would be great. And they went and studied people and made half a million dollars. And what did they say? No, I don't really feel that rich. I mean, it's just, yeah. you know, yeah. if I made a million dollars and it just, <laughs> it just I mean, keeps going crazy. Yep. Amounts, yes. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's not to say not to strive and have yeah. goals and all of that, right. but mm-hmm. it's just to show you that if you are not 
thankful and grateful for where you are in the present, that finish line continues to move. And so to do that for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the tactical side, yeah, look at your financial situation and say, okay, where are we at? What can we do as a family? What are our goals in the next, um, you know, five years? I like having short-term goals and say, okay, five years or less, our goal is maybe it's to get completely out of debt, have three months of emergency fund and go to Disney World twice, you know, or whatever it is. Like have some goals in there that you're working towards versus your money just going to this black hole of paying your (laughs) your student loan or your, you know, whatever, or, or your car loan over and over again. Like find ways to be intentional with that money. And if you're married, do it with your spouse. And that's one of the biggest pieces of advice. When you're budgeting, do it together. When you're paying off debt, do it together. If you're saving for a goal, do it together. Because when you align your goals and your money, you find this level of of intimacy that you haven't found before. Because all of a sudden, your dreams and your fears and your goals, everything is aligned when you're working on your money together. And so many couples work on like two different roads and they have separate checking accounts. They each pay different bills. It's like your roommates. And it's like, no, like you are married and you are one in every aspect of your marriage, including your money. And so bringing your spouse on board, which can be hard to do for some people, but, mm-hmm. but really making that a priority for you guys uh, changes the game on so many levels of marriage as well. Hey, you guys, would you like to have every podcast episode in your inbox on Tuesday? That way you don't have to go search for it or have to remember that, hey, a new Mom Inspired Show has aired today. You can have that. All you have to do is go to mominspiredshow.com and subscribe. If you're looking at it on your phone, just scroll to the bottom, enter your name and your email. If you're looking at it on your computer, it's going to be on the right-hand side. That way you won't miss an episode. And I'm also going to start including travel tips every week. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, you know, you said something about, you know, having um, three-month buffer and stuff like that. One question I wanted to ask you. So if you had the three-month buffer, right, and say you needed to get a new furnace, right, and so you took the money out of there, is then your goal to just work back up to save that so that you always have that three-month buffer? Is yes, that kind exactly. of your mindset? Yep, yeah, that's it. Yes. So, so now yeah, if you... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say that, yeah, that's just the emergency fund. So if there is an emergency that happens, because it will happen, you will dip out of that. And and then, yep, and then the next goal is to stop and say, okay, we're going to refill the emergency fund. That'll be your next goal. So if you have your emergency fund, what have you found that's worked for you? Like, so say you have your emergency fund and you're doing your 401k and stuff like that. Do you, would you siphon the money to go to then like vacation or would you still be trying to pay money towards your savings, like your regular savings, not 401k or investments, but like, or would you go, all right, so I'm good with the emergency fund. That's good. Now I can put money in there. I think, because I think this is where people get overwhelmed, right? They're like, well, like, should I just be saving money to save money on top of my emergency fund? But then I can't put it towards vacation. Like, where do you feel like let's, let's try to, you know, we can move money over there. Does that make sense? Cause I think sometimes yeah. people get really like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then they just get paralyzed. Sure. Totally. Yeah. So if you have, if you're completely debt free, except for your house and you have an emergency fund of three, I say three to six months of expenses, depending on, you know, if you have a lot of, you know, if you have kids, I would almost bump it up to six months just or that's for me, right. that security yeah. for me is yeah. huge. We have like an emergency fund for our emergency funds. I'm like, I just I need it. money saved because I, it does. Yes. There's a sense of security yes. with it. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. So once that's there and you're funding retirement, I would say to also look into kids college as well. Mm-hmm. 
Which we'll go into. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Kids college. Yep. And then the next goal would be to pay off your house early. But, okay. when you're on, but when you're there, you know, not all the money has to go straight to the house. You can kind of let your foot off the gas. So if there are, okay. if you have to replace your car or you want to save yeah. up for a vacation, yeah, save up and enjoy some of your money for sure. But if you're at a point where you're like, okay, it's, it's, I don't know, March and we just went yeah. on spring break and we, we're not doing a trip this summer and so we have six months, we're not doing anything. Well then sure. If there's, if there's a percentage of your income that you're like, we don't really have much, then yeah, open up just a standard savings account. You can put some money there and then maybe in yeah. six months you can take part of that out for something else. Maybe you leave it in there. Yeah. It's, at that point, it's, it's really up to the needs and goals of your family. But, but once you have that emergency fund and you're out of debt, yeah. then for sure you're able to do the, the vacation or replace the car, or do what you need to do. Right. Start putting it towards something else. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of, uh, you know, college and stuff, um, we're almost at the end of the show, but I wanted to ask you about colleges because colleges are just going up at such a rate that, I mean, people aren't even making as much money as how much colleges are going up. It's, it's a bit nuts. And so I wanted to ask your advice, especially now that you have kiddos and they're little, and I'm sure you're preparing for them. Um, what is your thoughts with that? And what are, what are you, what are the, some of the things that you're doing for yourself, for your kids? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So, um, I actually ran the numbers the other day when it comes to college. So inflation, <laughs> um, adjusted from like, let's say the eighties, like if you went to school in the eighties, if you went mm-hmm. to college, um, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Co- so inflation's at about 2.9%. Mm. So college has risen 7.16%. Yes. That's what so, I mean. It's crazy. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. Now it's not, it's not, you know, some people are like, it's gone up 250%. Oh, I'm right. like, no, 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 yeah. it's gone up 7%, yeah. but it's yeah. still gone up. It is still yeah. for sure higher than what it would have been, you know, years ago, decades sure. ago. So I would say number one rule when you have a child, uh, okay, well, let me start with this. If you have a young child back to kind of the progression, what we were talking about, if you have, mm-hmm. if you're debt free, fully funded emergency fund, you fund 15% of your income into retirement. And then if you have any more money left as well, um, I always say start saving for kids college. So this could be anything from like an ESA, which is an educational savings account. You can save up to $2,000 of that a year per child. So that's just a great place. It grows tax-free, easy place to, to put some money for kids college. Um, so, so when you have little kids, you can start doing that. But if you have older kids or maybe you have young kids, but you're like, no, we're going to take four years to get out of debt and save up that we're not going to be able to save for kids college for a while. Then I would say you're not, you're not a bad parent if you can't help your kids financially. So hear that parents, you're not a bad parent. College is a blessing. It is not an entitlement. Mm. We've created the society that everyone should go to college and go to whatever college they want to go to. And it's up to the parents to help. No, 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 no. No, you're not a bad parent. And then also when you are helping your child, help them in the sense of guiding them into wise decisions. So number one, help them choose an affordable school, a school that they can afford, that you can afford, meaning that's probably going to be an in-state public university or a community college. And so community colleges are running about eight grand a year right now. And so we all know if you've gone to college, the first two years are English and and history Mm -hmm. and your foreign languages. It's all your basic courses. So take those at a community college for eight grand a year. And, and then you can transfer to a big state school if you want to, but if they don't have the money to step over a state line and go to it, another out-of-state public university, don't go. Don't go <laughs> to a private university if you can't afford it. I mean, it, it kills me when I hear people like we're in Tennessee 
And I talked to these students and they're like at the University of Alabama and they've yeah. taken out loans. They pay three times as much to go to Alabama. <laughs> and I'm like, it kind of hurts my heart because I'm a Vol fan. So I'm like, <laughs> to say that Alabama and the University of Tennessee are the same school hurts, but it's true. It is the same school. So don't yeah. pay three times as much to go out of state. Stay in state. Take that in-state tuition. But now if you can afford a private college or an out-of-state, that's great. Go. If you can pay for it, that's great. Don't go into debt for that. Number two, scholarships and grants. Free money. So many students do not even take the time to do this. I was talking to a girl in Texas, and she grew up with a single mom. And her mom made her apply for two scholarships a day starting the Christmas break of her senior year. And she said, I was so mad about it, Rachel. Like we fought all the time, but she was a senior when I was talking to her and she said, I'm graduating a hundred percent debt free. Everything's been paid for. And I have $3,000 saved in the bank right now. And I was like, God, girl, like what a a wonderful mom to like enforce that because now her daughter gets to graduate, not even just on solid financial ground, but a little above because she has savings. I mean, so great. So scholarships and grants. And then last but not least, get a job. Mm, (laughs) They mm -hmm. can work. I know it's a shock, but they can work. And students who work 20 hours a week actually can pay their way through in-state universities. Oh, And students who have jobs in college, when they're working around 10 to 19 hours a week, they actually graduate with GPAs higher than students Mm. that don't work. Mm Mm-hmm. So they have to get good time management skills. So yeah, it's like they have to really kind of figure out how to get it all done. It teaches them, well, it's like the real world, you know. (laughs) Totally, totally. Yeah. And this is like a little bit one of my soapboxes because everyone thinks that, that, number one, college isn't for everyone. And so I think I I am still pro education. So I still am for it for sure. But number Mm -hmm. one, or to think through, it's not for everyone. Uh, But also like, People lose their minds when it comes to college. And so I really don't think we have a student loan crisis. I think we have a parenting crisis. Mm. And so parents, I'm so bold with this, but it comes from me so longing for the good of your children is to step in when it comes to the season of life and help them and guide them make wise decisions. I mean, Mm -hmm. I talk to moms like, well, my 18-year-old really wants to go to this private university in Indiana. And I'm like, no, tell your 18-year-old, no, like you're not being a mean helicopter parent. You're giving them a gift because these students are graduating on average with $36,000 in student loan debt with an undergrad degree in English. Like they can't even do anything with half their degrees. And it's like, you went into debt for that. And then they get married and have babies and they want to stay home and they can't because they have to go get a job to pay off their stupid student loans. So I get so mad about it. So helping your kids Selected affordable. So even if it's a community college, it's fine. It's fine. Do that. Help them apply for scholarships and grants and let them get a job. I mean, encourage them to get that job. Yes. All these things, all these things together, they can still go to school debt-free even in 2018. Yeah. No, that is amazing. I, 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 appreciate you sharing all that information. And uh, also too, I mean, they can work when they're in high school, you know, and, and oh, have them, for sure. Yes. And, you know, to kind of, if they don't want to do the 20 hours to start trying to think about that ahead of time. So I think that's great because I think a lot of people are just kind of like, oh, I don't know what to do. And then, and then people are, are leaving with, you know, I, I mean, you said 30, did you say 39 or 36? 36? Yeah. I mean, I know people with like a hundred thousand, you know, yes. um, oh, easily, you know, easily. Yeah. It's yes. crazy. And it's so I do tight. know people that um, are stuck that they had to go to work, even though they might've liked to stay home and stuff like that. So, I mean, 
you really have to, as a parent, especially if you have daughters, if you're, if you really know that they want to stay home with their children to really guide them, to help them to be like, let's be realistic about this. Like, are you really going to go, like, if you're going to go be a doctor, right, then yes, like you need to go to certain schools and you know, you're going to keep working and stuff like that. But if you're kind of like, well, you know, I mean, or just get a home. degree that is that is marketable yeah. and credible, yes. out, you know, in the marketplace, right? I mean, yes. and I, and again, I've talked to students on one end, which I really appreciate. They're like, I wanted to be an artist, but my parents, yeah. I double major. <laughs> I got an art degree and a business oh. degree, and now I get to run an art institute, right? That's I mean, like, awesome. So yeah, just looking to say, okay, let's just be wise. Let's be wise about yeah. it. Not get a degree in left-handed puppetry that you're never going <laughs> to use, and just yeah, that's my big thing. It's just use common sense. And for some yeah. reason, when it comes to this whole area yep. of our lives, mm-hmm. we just completely lose our minds. And so, yep. yeah, I, I, um, yeah, I'm passionate yeah. about it. I'm <laughs> I know. It's awesome. <laughs> well, Rachel, as we wrap up, where can people find you on social media and where can they get your book? Yes. Um, I'm yeah. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and I have a, actually a, a show on YouTube and That's Facebook right, right now, Rachel Cruz show. Yep. Um, so you can check all that out. It's just at Rachel Cruz, everything and C-R-U-Z-E. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm at the, I have the E at the end of the name yeah. and yeah, my book, book is wherever books are sold. So any bookstore, Amazon, rachelcruz.com. Yeah. Anywhere. Perfect. Well, Rachel, I had so much fun having you on the show today. I appreciate you taking the time to come on with us. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me, Amber. Congratulations on the 100th episode. Yes, 100th episode. Thank you. So fun. Talk to you soon. Hey guys, it's Amber and you've been hearing me talk all about travel and I am so passionate about helping families create memories through intentional travel planning. I know it's summertime and it might not even be on your radar for fall break or Christmas break, but it's just around the corner. It's a perfect time to go to Disney, Mexico, or even a Caribbean cruise. So if you don't have plans yet for those school breaks, I invite you to set up an appointment with me. It's completely free, both for the consultation call so that we can talk about what your plans are, what your dreams are, and put them into action. And it's also completely free to use my services to allow me to come alongside and help you make these plans a reality. So to book your time with me, go to mominspiredshow.com forward slash contact. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll see you next week.